0: Welcome to Bullish, where we talk about the journey and process to build ourselves and companies into multi-billion dollar people and brands. Currently, my business and investment funds have done tens of millions in revenue. And this is the documentation of the journey to scale to the billion dollar realm. All while we give back and do good in the world. My name is Bridger Pennington, and welcome to Bullish. Ryan Secko, welcome to the show. Good to have thank you, you. So much.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. I heard a lot of great things about you, and it's 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 about time we finally connected.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. So I've seen you on, on videos forever. So people that don't know Ryan, so Ryan, Executive Vice President of Cardone Capital, been with Grant for years. You guys manage over 20,000 units now, um, raised, you said over a billion dollars from retail investors specifically, which is very interesting and unique. I, I would say probably one of the, you can correct me, but it sounds like one of the only people on planet earth that have raised that much money from, from crowdfunding it from retail investors, which is fantastic. I love the mission that you guys have too, because it's, you know, this, it is a lot easier to go raise at your level as well to raise from get big checks. And at that, at that point, you're almost like, let's just get rid of the retail investors. They're actually, they're hard to deal with. They have questions, but I think you and grant have something deep inside of you guys that you want to help regular people get into real estate and get into big, large multifamily real estate, which is what all the wealthy people do to allow little people to do that, which I love it. So today we're gonna dive into all this kind of stuff. So, um, Ryan, dude, welcome in uh, If you can give us a, you know, just give us the thumbnail, like 30 second overview of you, your career, and then we'll dive into all of it. But give us like the 30 second overview stuff that I missed.
1: Yeah, no. So look, I was um, my, my first career. So, so my uncle was a builder and I've always wanted to be in real estate. Uh, but my first career was actually a, a commercial airline pilot. And I went to training. I had student loans, 140 grand. And um, uh, uh, I went to go work for United and and I flew jets from the age of 21 years old. I was one of the youngest pilots till the age of 30. And uh, at the age of 24 and 25, I literally started researching and figuring out how to do four plexes and eight plexes. But I went to a class. It was the regulation D class, which is what we're talking about here, funds and how to get them started. And, um, it was always so bulky. Like there was no such thing as Ray D 506 C. Uh, and so what I did is I built up the 21 units. I hit the age of 30 years old. I wanted to join a team that was like going places and, and you know, had, 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 had a, had a team. Cause I was doing this by myself. Yeah. And so I knew that, I knew to
0: that side while you were flying, you just take your money and start buying multifamily.
1: Yeah, I had, I had, I had uh, 18 days off as a pilot. So I'd go to work, I'd come home, I'd you know do the four units, do the eight units and I was doing everything myself. And when I hit the age of 30, I was like, there's gotta be something bigger, like what's next? And so I literally found Grant on YouTube and his messaging and, and the way he spoke and the way that what he represented because that thing inside of us all, right? Like why we're doing this, he had it. And I knew that, that, that he was an amazing leader and I wanted to learn a lot from him. Like Grant Cardone has been a lot of things to me. Uh, from a mentor, a leader, I I literally the last nine years, I've been with him every day. And he is an absolute beast. But he is also an absolute, like, just a genuine person. So at the age of 30, I decided, hey, I'm going to resign, I'm going to give up all my days off my my retirement, all that stuff. And I'm going to go work for Grant Cardone. Two weeks later, I was here in Miami, where I sit today. And, um, you know, we'll, 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 jump into the rest, but yeah, no, yeah, i us just keep it yeah. rolling.
0: So yeah, you, yeah. So what happens there? And how did you even reach out? Did you just send him a message? How do you even get in touch with Grant Cardone? This is, I just called a-
1: yeah, I just I called his office and I said, look, I would love to add value to Grant's team. I could fly airplanes, and I love real estate, and that was really my shoe in. He didn't have an airplane. He, he the airplane came like two or three weeks later, and Elena, his wife, really like got me into the groove of things. But literally, I, like I was flying, I had ten thousand hours. I was flying airplanes, but I've been studying and and working and doing the real estate to where I could add value at different levels.
0: So you hit him at the perfect time. He had just was just getting that jet and needed a pilot, right?
1: He had 2,500 units. He just got the jet. He had done zero crowdfunding. All the only crowdfunding he did was from friends and family. And so he had a portfolio of 2,500 units and he owned 95% of the deal. And he let 5% come in from, you know, his friends and and his sister and his brother.
0: (laughs) So how, walk us through, how does the, how does a private pilot turn into multi-billion dollar fund manager? Walk us through this.
1: Well, look, I mean, when you're around Grant every single day, the pressure's on. And and I always told myself, if I could last a week, I could last a month. If I could last a month, I could last a year. If I could last a year, I could last 10 years. It's really like you, right? I mean, your father was and still is one of the largest fund managers. Well, Grant, it's very similar, right? Like like when I say Grant is different things to me, like literally, he's been a mentor. He's been a dad. He's been a friend. He's been a boss. He's been like all of the above. Mm -hmm. And so when you have that type of leadership, it's really like the put me in coach moments. And, and, and for me, since I am all in, like Grant calls me, here's an example. He's like, he gives me one task. I'm like, what else do you need? What else do you need? What else? And so he just loaded me up with a bunch of responsibility. Look, I just love responsibility. I knew raising the capital and raising the money and all that stuff would happen. Now it's like, okay, we have the responsibility to do the right thing. I think a lot of people get confused and like, oh, it's so easy to raise money. Yeah, but you got to invest in the right vehicles. You got to do the right things. You got to set up the right teams. You got to set up the right processes because you can grow something for the first time, but you can't grow it to a billion and then ten billion and then hundred billion if you don't have these certain things in place. And so, you know, look, it was. Each day, uh, I ask a lot of questions and I've really surrounded myself with a team of individuals from third party and in-house attorneys to, you know, great, like some of the best real estate uh, owners and operators and management companies. Like I, I, you know, you and me, I think we share this in common. You and I are probably like really curious individuals for me. I'm like, well, how does that work? How did you do this? And, you know, over the course of nine years, you continue to get elevated and, you
0: know, here I sit with you. Oh, that's amazing. Hey, hey, what's going on, people? Hope you're enjoying the show. This is Bridger Pennington here. So if you've liked the show so far, if you're more of a visual learner, we actually post almost all of these to YouTube. So if you go look me up, Bridger Pennington on YouTube, we're there and we actually have a ton of different content on funds and different business structure and strategy stuff that we kind of don't touch on on the podcast, but are more visual-based stuff. So if you're a visual learner, go to YouTube and go check me out, Bridger Pennington on YouTube. With that, we'll get back to the show. Thanks, guys. And I, I want to highlight what you mentioned. I think people overlook this. They could, they could say, oh, Ryan got so lucky or right. Ryan, uh, you know, and I think some people, when you like the, the think about entrepreneurship, a lot of people think I got to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. Like I got to just right. come up with this crazy idea called Facebook. And that's the <laughs> only way to do business. And reality is you can, do boring businesses. Number one, like real estate it's kind of a boring old school business. And number two, align yourself with an incredible entrepreneur and do exactly what Ryan did. There was probably a hundred other people that had the same opportunity as Ryan, but the cream rises to the top and you, you met it right there. Hey, what else can I do? What else can I do on the phone? And you kept asking, you were curious, kept asking questions. And, and just for me being an entrepreneur, I have about 50 employees right now. It's funny. I, I know every day the employees that are actually actively thinking or asking questions want to improve, and other employees that just want to collect a check. Right. And what's funny is over nine years, what happens is some of those employees that we you know formerly were just the you know, the guy cleaning up or the assistant, all of a sudden we're giving them huge responsibilities because they've aligned and proven and grown. And it's just been really close. Cool. So I don't want people to just under like o- overlook what you just shared. And actually, I want to dive into that. You mentioned Kind of a, a go-get, like a, I'll get it done attitude. What other kind of attitude do you think you brought that made Grant say like, "Hey, I'm gonna invest in this guy. I'm gonna help this guy grow. We're gonna we're gonna give him more stuff." Well, look, I,
1: I you know I, I've always been taught from a young man is you're not above, you're not below, you're just equal with people. And I'm the chief executive B. You know, like like you know I, I you know I'll, I'll I'll do whatever it takes. Like literally, you could send me to a property, and I'll tell you what the issues are, and I'm gonna fix it. Uh, you can give me a task and I'm just going to make sure that the right person's on the deal. So, you know, for, for me, fine. And, and look, you know, I, I did get lucky in the sense that I had a lot of great mentors growing up and my uncle was really tough on me when I was growing up because he was like, Hey, look, Ryan, you, you, you like, like, you're not even working hard. Like, let me show you how to work. And so I've always had this grit and I've always had this hard work and instilled inside of me. But when you get, so when, when you're ready and you get this opportunity, that is actually luck in, in my definition, right? Because a lot of people, they're not prepared for when the opportunity comes. I, I've always been studying, like when I was 25 years old, I was like, okay, how do you raise money? How do you do Reg D? I've always known it was bulky, right? And so when I got on Grant's team, I was with him every day. So again, for 10 years, I was prepping to build 10,000 hours. So that way, when I joined Grant's team, I could drive, I could drive and fly his Gulfstream G200, so literally when Grant pulled me into his office, he's like, Hey, can you fly this airplane? I said, hell yeah. He's like, are you sure? Cause he, you know, Grant doubts everything. Right. And I'm like, yeah. put me in training for four weeks. I'll come up, I'll show up. And I had the airplane completely tricked out. Like I had all the uh, organizational stuff done. I had all of his stuff that he wanted on the airplane done. I had all of it, like everything was like it was a fine tuned machine. And so once I showed him that I could operate and maintain the airplane in the aviation department, then he's like, well, Hey, let me start sending you to deals. Hey, let me start putting you on these calls. Hey, let me start putting you in front of the banks. Let me start putting you in front of the debt guys. Let me start putting you in front of the brokers. And so it's like every single day when you're with somebody, literally we would hop off the airplane and we'd go shop deals. I've shopped tens and tens of thousands of apartments with Grant and I'm almost for I'm 38. I'm, I'm 39 years old. I'm almost 40. Like, 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 it's, it's a very similar experience to you when you're like bread, and you're you're sharing the same home and the same airplane, like, you really get that intimate feeling. And that's what we have. And so my attitude has always been like, hey, I don't know everything. What, like, like, how can I help you? And if Grant doesn't know something, and if I don't know something, well, there's somebody that does. And um, we, you know, we just, we, we tap into smart people. You know, we really tap know, into smart people. And how you, yeah.
0: how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? 1,000%. And it just, and prox, I love the Tony Robbins. It's cheesy, but it's proximity is power, right? And you mentioned that 30 times already in this episode, like proximity is power. Be Just being around, being in the vicinity of people that are successful, it just, it rubs off.
1: 1,000%. And, and you cannot not be successful hanging out with these individuals. Mm-hmm. Literally my net worth has grown 10, 20, like, like all of my money that I make and, you know, we're working and we're doing all this stuff. I literally invest it into the deals right next to grant. So there's one thing to listen to, 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 okay. A person, what they're doing, but it's another thing to actually invest with the people and become a part of the company because now I have a a invested interest on how these deals do what we're doing, how we're raising money
0: with the investors. Like it's just a really good thing. Uh, shifting gears. I want to ask you about capital markets this last year. So I've okay. talked to a lot of fund managers and they were like, man, 2019, 2020, it was really easy to raise money. Right. Last year was way different, different landscape, different investment. We still raised money, but we just had to do it in a lot different of a way. Did you guys see a huge shift this last, let's, let's just call it last 12 months? And what was that shift? How did you guys adjust?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, we, we saw a huge shift and this is going to be completely different from what you're hearing, right? So for us, we typically raise between, you know, call it one and three million a day. Our target's three million a day. And you know what we what what happened is we actually had a shift off of a deal. What a cool
0: KPI, I love that because you guys have so many investors, like three million a day. That's awesome, actually. I love yeah. That.
1: No. Well, no. Look, I mean, if I send Grant, we did one point five or two million. He's like, yep, one million short. This is why I love Grant. That's why we're such great partners because it's like I'm focused on operations and doing the deal and getting everything done and investors and scaling and growing everything, and he's just like, yep. Um, that's a great stat, Ryan. But you know, you could do better, you know. Hey, you're it's a great stat, but your team can do better, like like, you know, and and, and he's yeah. a real he's a real pusher and driver. But yeah, no, look, we we had a shift from actually raising for a deal. You know, your guys and you guys have seen this, right? When you're raising money for a fund in real estate, typically people want to see the deal. Well, we don't have a deal right now. We're literally raising money for opportunities and distress deals where maybe we go in as prefmes piece yep. and or we take over deals and or we just buy deals right now at a new value compared to where they were 16 months ago so what we did is we're actually raising a fund it was launched 150 and we've already raised 80 million dollars in cash like we don't do commits uh one thing that is makes us different is you know you say hey i want to do 400 grand great send me the money i don't count you in until your money's actually in this oh, deal if you don't
0: do capital calls it's all called day one and you just sit on the money do your pref and management fees all start when it's even sitting.
1: No, we don't we don't collect the fees but what we did is we actually negotiated with the bank we're on the accredited fund the the individuals we have uh, interest bearing account it's at four percent and so what we do is we actually mark when they come in so as they're waiting on the accredited fund they actually get credit for the four percent and so when we close on that deal we'll actually send them in the form of a distribution the four percent which is more than most people can get in their own account and, and or you know they have to lock it up in, in t-bills or, or um, uh, cds so we've created this where where are you know look we we, we have um and our audience understands this, right? We do a Zoom call. Like we literally, until 11, uh, 30 last night, we were on a Zoom call with 1,500 people. We do Zoom calls every single month. Grant myself, jump on. Like we are out there. We're not just hoping and praying that we can do this. We're like, hey, this is what we're doing, guys. This is what we're gearing up for. We've already got three or four deals we're working on. Send your money. You earn 4%. We close on the deal. It's a short-term wait for a long-term reward. We oversubscribe all of our deals
0: yeah that's cool i love it what's your um i love it. that's actually really that's a really cool idea have the money come in pay four percent just until we have a good deal and then we can close really quickly on deals when we see them i actually think that's a really cool idea
1: we closed on we bought a deal from goldman last um three months ago we closed all cash because the debt market got all wobbly at the skates like literally on an office deal was eight percent i'm like i'm going in at a seven cap rate i'm like i'll just close we'll close cash Raise the money for tenant uh, uh, improvements and leasing commissions, close it all, and then the investor gets you know six, seven, eight percent, and then we'll refinance it when the markets kind of settle in. But the debt markets have been uh, uh, very uh, uh, not conducive for doing deals. That's actually where the gap is. You know, when you want to go out there and buy something, you got to get debt because most people can't close cash. Most people don't want to put fifty percent down, and it screws up
0: your uh, screws up your IRR. To be frank, (laughs) you know. Oh man, that's uh, very interesting. And now how I'm curious, how many, I don't know if you track this, how many people repeat investors that do you have of that? I don't know if you're a non-accredited and accredited, like when someone starts with a five grand investment, do they come back with 10 grand or 20 grand later? Did they just repeat or this do once? Like what's your guys's, if you can share a little bit of data, I'm curious on the reg A side of things. What is that? I know more reg D, like I work in that space, but reg A's I haven't worked in as much. I'm curious just how that functions with reg A investors.
1: I'll get the exact stats. So next time when you and I do a wrap, we, we have the exact stat. When I look at across the board, it's like 40 and 50%, probably even higher for the reg D that's blended. But we have a lot of repeat investors. And the reason why is like, for example, a guy, Jamie, he's based out of Austin. I've used his name a couple of different times. The first deal he did to fund one, he did 150 grand. He's now invested with us for close to $6 million. So we have a lot of these repeat investors because look, we send out monthly distributions. They see the K ones, they see the financials, they see the deal. We have a portal built out for the investors. Once people know and trust you, like literally, and you've seen this too, like once you have your base, you know, we're all praying for each other. We all want each other to win. Like we all see these deals, and so you know, we have the growth conference. We just rolled off of that where Tom Brady and these big names were there. People, our investors, come there. It's amazing when 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 you're when Grant's like, hey, how many investors do we have? A lot of people raise their hand. And so we have a tremendous amount of repeat, especially in the um, accredited. I'll get the number on the reggae.
0: I was looking for the ballpark. Yeah, I'm just, I was just curious yeah. on the reggae, but um, the, uh okay, really interesting. So that was kind of last 12 months of cap raising. I'm curious, you know, your thoughts and the team's thoughts looking forward. Next 12 to 18 months, what does the crystal ball hold, especially in the multifamily markets? What are you seeing with rates, with the Fed, with just overall markets right now? What are you guys kind of seeing and, and looking at?
1: Well, this this is my personal opinion, right? Um, I think I think the Fed has done a terrible job at 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 being responsive to inflation. Uh, I personally believe they waited too long. You know, we 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 were all having a, a roundtable thinking that they should have raised rates earlier. Um, so now they have to do it inflation is still a battle they're going to hold rates i think for higher than they you know priced into the market they were pricing in q3 and q4 that rates were going to come down yeah and i see all the you know you and me track all the yield curves right it's like it's yep. it's there you know you go to chatham and it's like you know a lot of, in- a
0: lot of those yield curves are predicting right now like in july august they're starting to come down it's what they're predicting but that's what the market's pricing in but who knows right
1: yeah but who knows because these feds are you know pretty adamant about, you know, hey, look, we're really like, like, we're going to continue to raise rates and we're going to hold it there. So what happens is, you know, you just have to readjust. Look, our, our, our long-term vision has always been clear. We're going to buy this stuff. We're going to hold it for seven, 10 years. We'll either refinance it, sell it and or package it, package it all up and roll it up into an upgrade and or sell it to a big company. Our game plan hasn't changed. Like that part of the business never changes. We buy in all cycles. And so we'll continue to buy Uh, It has to cash flow. It has to make sense. But, you know, we actually think there's opportunities when there's a lot of chatter on the mics, when there's a lot of chatter in the air. That's when the real opportunities are. So I feel bad for people who have to sell. I feel bad for people who have three and four and five year uh, fund cycles. You know, we always wanted to set it up where we had the flexibility and the latitude because that's where you get pinched. Yeah, I know people do it for fees and the recycle of money and all that stuff. But, you know, in our business, specifically in real estate, we've always felt it's a long term wealth creation and you get all the benefits while you ride. Mm, Yeah, a lot of opportunities, though, man, a lot of opportunities. I think 12, 18 months. Now's the time. It's go time, baby.
0: You know, it's funny. I talked to a lot of fund managers that manage, you know, significant portfolios, well over, you know, a few billion or up to a decabillion dollar funds. And a lot of, you you would be surprised of the optimism they have right now. They're almost excited. And that's funny. I talked to other people that are scared, nervous. They're like, dude, this is, we've been, we've been just ready. Like we are, it's go, it's, it's go time. Just like that. It's really funny to talk to them. And, it, and it's true. That's, I mean, that's where, that's where good money managers make the money is right now. And they find great deals that are distressed. And yeah, we feel bad for somebody else that was over but like, you know, we're going to come in and we're going to benefit our investors really, really well. And so it's it's a cool, uh, it's a cool place to be.
1: When the tides go out, you see who's wearing clothes.